0: Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Now, before we get started, I want to give a shout out. I haven't done this enough, and I ought to do it a little bit more. Uh, Did you know that Fighting for the Faith is actually made possible by our crew members? Yeah, it's actually true. Now, it's true we, we we run a tight ship here at Fighting for the Faith, but we do have a few employees that are part of our support staff, and because of my heavy workload, there's no way I could do Fighting for the Faith without some employees and people necessary to support what we're doing, including video editor and other ple- other things. That being the case, so I want to give a shout out to our our crew members and say Thank you. Thank you for joining us in the fight, and thank you for making it possible for us to continue to put out Fighting for the Faith. Without your support, we would not be able to do it. And if you're thinking, well, you know, uh, how do I join your crew? I'm glad you asked. Let me uh, whirl up the desktop, and uh, let me pull up my web browser. We'll have a link down below. In fact, every video that we have, we have a link down below that says, that goes to join our crew. And we've dusted off a little bit of the dust on this thing because it's been a while since I've promoted it. But here's uh, here's the idea. If you go to piratechristian.com slash join hyphen our hyphen crew, uh, you will you will be taken to this page link down below, and it says join the fight by joining our crew. In fact, the idea here is is that we have people who are supporting us on a monthly basis. You know, people you know are willing to do that. Now, I understand it's uh, it can be a little bit pricey. This is why we have four different uh, ranks in our crew, and uh, and the lowest rank is uh, like two cups of coffee. Uh, you know, in a month. That's basically what we're talking about. So Powder Monkey is at $9.95 a month. Gunner's Mate is at $24.95 a month. Master Gunner, $49.95 a month. Quartermaster, $99.95 a month. And we are now running a promotion. Anybody who joins our crew, uh, moving forward, we'll always have a promotion, whatever the promotion is on the website at the time. That will be the thing. Uh, What we're doing is we're making available a digital download of my photography. These are my photographic compositions and the ones that I use as my desktops on my computer. And so uh, we're going to make all nine of these ones available. This is collection one. Uh, available for you to download. So anybody who joins our crew under this current promotion. So if this, if you're watching this like you know three years from now, uh, and you're thinking, well, I, I missed that promotion. Uh, don't worry, uh, you'll still be able to get collection one. I'll explain how. But anybody who joins our crew during this current promotion, we will send you a link to this digital download so that you can download these and and use these as your desktop, your wallpaper. You can use them on your digital devices, things like that, and. Uh, and so these are the nine compositions that we've chosen for Collection 1. So anybody who joins our crew during this period, we will send you a link so that you can download these for yourself. And of course, if you would like to just, you know, you're thinking, oh, you know, I can't join our crew, can't join the crew, but I sure would love Collection 1 for my you know my computer to use as a desktop. If you go to piratechristian.com, click on Bake Sale, uh, you'll note that we've made uh, Chris Roseborough's desktop wallpaper slash photo collections one available. For purchase at $9.95. And then after you finish the purchase, you will be sent a link to the download so that you can do it. So you can support Fighting for the Faith. And we do need your support uh, by either joining our crew or, you know, purchasing Collection One. All proceeds go to pay our bills. <laughs> and, and you'll note. I don't have a private jet or anything even remotely approaching it. Uh, That's that's not how we spend our money. We try to run a tight ship so that the money we're taking in is pretty much the money we're spending. And at the moment, we're trying to save up for some long-term projects that uh, we need to address at Fighting for the Faith. So your support is greatly appreciated, and we thank you, because Fighting for the Faith is made possible by our crew members. Now, all that being said, we're going to do something we haven't done in a while. And we're going to do... Something called a dumpster fire episode. As I go out there and I research and I collect up uh, video segments for potential fightings for the faith... Uh, there are there are some that fall through the cracks, and what I mean by them is they don't exactly make for an extended episode of Fighting for the Faith, and and as a result of it, by themselves, it just doesn't make sense to make an entire episode based upon just one really wacky thing, but it's so wacky that it really should be addressed. That being the case, we save up those woners. Is that what they are? They're woners. Uh, we save up these like kind of s- shorter segments, and we blend blend them together into a longer episode called Dumpster Fire. And that's what we're doing today. Today we are going to be <clears throat> heading to Mel Bond's YouTube channel. <laughs> and oh my word, um, have you ever read in Second Peter chapter one where it says that we are partakers of the divine nature? Yes, you probably have heard that. Well, there's some bad teaching out there. Robert Morris has got a recent uh, series that he's doing on this. Uh, and we might have to cover Robert Morris in depth. But uh, Mel Bond recently discussed this on his YouTube channel. And the name of the episode is Neglecting Signs and Wonders is Neglecting the Rapture Part 1. And this is apparently a sermon by Mel Bond. But he's going to discuss that off misunderstood text from First Peter, our second, sorry, Second Peter chapter one about being partakers in the divine nature, and we'll actually show you uh, how are we to understand what that text is talking about. Is it saying that we become little gods or that we are divine? Nope. And the issue is is that uh, the word partakers, the the one that gets translated as partakers in the English, um, the Greek isn't so—it it doesn't really kind of lend itself that way. And so we'll, we'll show you how to unwind that one, as well as talk about what do you do uh, with the the long ending of Mark, which oftentimes gets misquoted by people. And by the way, the long ending of Mark probably wasn't part of the original autograph, so we'll explain that also. Uh, then we will be talking about—let's see here. I'm probably going to throw in Isaiah Saldivar. Isaiah Saldivar. I I know you guys have a hard time listening to the way he preaches.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that's what he's going to be doing. But man, he says something really blasphemous that it's worth passing along. So we threw it into this dumpster fire. And then we're going to be listening to Katie Sousa talking about uh, Python spirits, the enforcers of the devil who are going to squeeze your finances. <laughs> just uh, it's yeah. So uh, buckle up, uh, bendy straws, duct tape, and uh, tinfoil pyramid hats. Probably a good idea for this installment of fighting for the faith. So let's begin with Mel Bond, shall we? And, uh, and so he's talking about uh, that we all need to operate in signs and wonders, and that if you are a believer in Jesus, that means you also, uh, you can operate in signs and wonders. And he had just previously said that if you neglect this ministry of signs and wonders, uh, well, the, the, the rapture won't happen.
2: Okay, but watch where he goes from here. But who qualifies far signs and wonders and all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, you qualify. Mark in chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus said this. He says, and these signs, supernatural miracles in the census realm, proving that Jesus Christ is Lord will follow those that believe.
0: Now, here's the issue. That's from the long ending of Mark. And for this one, I'm going to need to, whoa, hang on a second here. I don't want that. I want, let's see here. There we go. That's what I want. <laughs> Whew! My, my, my desktop acted, acted a little bit bizarre here. I want Logos. So by the way, I, I sometimes get questions. What's the software that I use? When I am studying, most of my theological library, my Greek text, Hebrew text, and stuff like this, when I'm studying personally and learning and preparing sermons and lessons and stuff like this, I'm in Logos. This is where the vast majority of my theological library lives. When I am teaching, I am in Accordance, and uh, and that's where I'm at. Uh, you know, So that that's the other uh, application that I use. So uh, let's take a look at Logos here. In fact, hang on a second here. Is it me or is it... Uh, there we go. Accordance. All right. Logos, here we go. So we're going to look at the gospel of Mark, and we are going to look at the long ending of Mark, and that's the proper way of discussing it. And we're going to note what your Bibles say. And this is important. You'll note that Mark, in the oldest and most reliable manuscripts that we have of the Bible, it ends at verse 8. Now, that seems like an odd place to end the Gospel of Mark, but the reality is this, our earliest and best manuscripts don't include the long ending. As a result of it, the the reality is this, most likely the long ending of Mark was not something actually penned, it's not part of the original, therefore it's not part of the Bible. Uh, when we talk about the inerrancy of Scripture, we are talking about inerrancy as it relates to the autographs, which is why textual criticism is so important, because with textual criticism we're able to look across the different manuscripts that we have and be able to have certainty regarding really what the originals would say. This The whole science of textual criticism is a friend to Christianity, not a foe, you shouldn't be listening to the Textus Receptus KJV. The only group, they legitimately don't know what they're talking about. They are conspiracy theorists, but that being the case, uh, the earliest manuscripts do not include Mark sixteen verses nine through twenty, probably added later by a you know a copyist. Um, And as a result of it, we got some problems. But you're going to note here that it is on the basis of this long ending of Mark, where you get some really aberrant teaching. Uh, So uh, note what it says here, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them, and they will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover." It is this long ending of Mark in that particular set of verses here, which led to the snake handling Pentecostals of Appalachia. Right, have you ever heard of these folks? Uh, yeah, do a little Google on this. So they, in fact, you're not a true Christian unless you can handle poisonous snakes and drink strychnine and not die. And, uh, and many of them, sadly, have died <laughs> from either snake bites or... Strychnine poisoning, things like this. So, you're going to note that this is most likely not part of the original text. Um, it wasn't, when Mark finished his gospel, that was not in it. How did it get later added? I would point people to the work of James White of Alpha and Omega Ministries. He does a lot of work on the long ending of Mark, and I think he does some solid work along those lines. I, I can't recommend everything that he promotes, but when it comes to a scholarship on the long ending of Mark, he knows what he's talking about and this most likely and like by, by most likely like 95 96 97% chance it was not part of the original so w- you'll know we should not be drawing our doctrine from this long ending of mark it um uh, there's th- it's problematic at best. And so you'll know that how, how is Mel Bond using the long ending of Mark? Well, he's basically saying that this means that you are going to, it's a promise to you that you're going to operate in signs and wonders, which is even more proof that uh, the long ending of Mark is problematic. But watch what he does with it here.
2: He says, and these signs, supernatural miracles in the census realm, proving that Jesus Christ is Lord, will follow those that believe. And so immediately, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you have now been transformed from, or translated, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And so now you have a new lineage, you have a new DNA. New
0: DNA. What does that even mean, by the way? Where in Scripture does it talk about a new DNA? By the way, you know, this idea of DNA switching and stuff like that, um... And that's how you get monsters and weird, really bizarre mutations. Nowhere in Scripture does it talk about us as receiving new DNA.
2: Now you are a child of the Living God, and the Bible plainly teaches us that we're born again not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed by the Word of God. And yeah, that's true. Peter says the Word that. of God says in Second Peter chapter one verse three and four it says that we become partakers of His divine nature by the word of God. Now,
0: listen to how he interprets this because that's the problem. This is one of those tougher passages, by the way. So, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, I think it's verse four. Uh, this, you know, what does it mean that we're partakers of the divine nature? This is a difficult passage to understand. And part of the problem is the linguistics regarding the, the Greek word behind partakers. And I'll explain that in a minute. And so now, we
2: are divinity. Mm, No,
0: (laughs) no, we are not (laughs) divinity. But watch what he does with this. We're
2: children of the most high God.
0: Now that's true. We are adopted children of God, but that doesn't mean that we're divinity.
2: And if you'll notice in my book, and I would encourage everybody to read that book, how that all nine gifts of the spirit belong to you. Once you understand how they operate and that they belong to you, it's real easy to surrender to them and give action to them
0: surrender to the gifts, which is nowhere taught in Scripture. Now, let's clean this up, shall we? All right. So we're going to clean this up first and foremost by going to an Old Testament text, which is necessary for us to do. And so I'm going to find, uh, let's see, I need, what did I do with my Old Testament text? I think I'll just hijack this one and use it for that. All right. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 43. Are humans divine? Do we become little deities? That's the question, right? So Isaiah 43, verse 10 gives us a clear, clear, clear text here. So here's what Isaiah 43, 10 says. You are my witnesses, declares Yahweh, my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. Uh, I I am Yahweh and besides me there is no savior. In other words, any theological scheme that would tell you that you are a little god or you become god or that you become divine, uh that's a lying that's a lying religion. Including in the in the mix by the way, Mormonism. Mormonism, uh, the the central doctrine of Mormonism is called the law of eternal progression, which teaches as man is, God once was, as God is, man can become. Belagna, it says in Isaiah 43.10, Before me no God was formed, nor will there be any after me. So the one interpretation that is ruled out right away from the clearest passage on the, path in, on the topic is this idea that we become divine or we become little gods. No, we don't. And I would, I would make a terrible deity, by the way. So the question is, what does it mean? So let's take a look at Logos, shall we? All right. And Logos is going to be super helpful for us here. And we are going to go over here and we are going to look at well, what are our three rules for sound biblical exegesis? Context, context, and context. So in 1st Peter, 2nd uh, Peter chapter 1, it says this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So, when you put it in context, it's not saying that we become divine. That's not the point here. But I would point out, like using a good commentary, and, th- and this one is a, a one that I find to be very helpful, and this is Lenski's commentary. And in Lenski, he gets at the uh, the Greek word that is behind the word partakers. The Greek word behind that word is similar to the word koinonia, but it's different. It's koinonoi, koinonoi. So you're going to know it It sounds similar to koinonia, which is where we get the word fellowship from. And here's what Lenski points out in his commentary, which is actually a very good reference for us here. The adjective koinonoi, which is derived from the noun for fellowship, we lack an equivalent English adjective. Okay, note it's an adjective. And in English, we don't have a word that actually is a one to one relationship with the word noi." So, so the idea then is is that it is it is inexactly rendered then in our english translations by the word partakers we should keep the idea of fellowship lest as besaire warns we end up decorating ourselves with a foreign feather ah huh, i'm a little god right for this divine nature is not substantia but qualita, uh, qualitas this 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 we are partakers we have fellowship with the divine nature and that's a quality, not a substance, right? It is more than imitatio; it is rather the imago dei. As uh, as as a foreigner is naturalized, so we are fully transplanted into God's kingdom, and then we are naturalized in it, so that what is in that kingdom is properly ours. We are we are to be children and sons of God, begotten again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And ours is then. You'll note this is what. People is really getting at. As Christians, we have the restoration of the divine image, the imago dei. And it's not perfect in this lifetime, but also note that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That is another way that we are in koinonoi, fellowship with the divine nature. So what's being described here is the Christian's the Christian, the new person that you are in Christ, and the restoration of the image of God in you. Now it's begun, but not perfected until Christ comes. So when Peter says that we are by that we are partakers, it would probably be better translated. koinonoid would probably be better translated as uh, we we ha- we are fellowshippers w- of the divine nature. Little that's a little closer to what's going on here. Partakers in the English makes it sound like well we become divine. Uh-uh, we don't. So this idea of theosis, you become little gods, that's just not mm, mm, not what Peter's getting at at all. And it contradicts Isaiah 43.10, which basically makes it clear. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be any after me. You're not going to be a deity, so don't even don't even bother applying. That position's filled for eternity, and it in there's nobody going to be coming up through the ranks that can say that they are gods. So just, just just pointing that out. So we've got a big problem here, and that is is that Mel Bond has totally biffed it regarding how to properly understand what Peter is getting at here, and now he's making the claim that he's divine. And he's going to extrapolate from his misunderstanding of of what Peter wrote, and (laughs) holy smokes, well, if you're divine, well, then doesn't that mean that you'll never die? Well, watch what he does.
2: And so as a child of the living God, you qualify immediately when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's the same thing as uh, Rich Billings. When you were born, physically, immediately, you didn't earn it, but you got the name Billings. You were, you were born into that family. You can't buy it. You were just born into it. And so when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are born into divinity. Now, I, I was talking to Mick about this a couple
0: No, we're born again in, in, with a
2: restored image of God. Think back to the beginning of creation. Well, nights ago. And uh, so I'll I, I give you something to chew on, and maybe I've never talked about this before because most people, they say, oh, you know, that's just so heavy. But it's really not heavy if it's in the Bible. It's just people need to know the truth. And the fact of the matter is that when we become partakers of his divine nature, death is gone. You can't.
0: Is he saying what? I think he's saying, yeah, he's saying it. Watch what he says here. This is
2: really delusional. Kill God. You can't kill God. And so what happens is people, they start expecting to get old, and they start expecting these, say, no, no, change your way of thinking.
0: Is it just me, or does Mel Bond look old? <laughs> he doesn't look like a spring chicken to me, but it, apparently he's been, he's, been, he's been engaging in some stinking thinking here, you know, and that's probably the reason why he got so old, but don't worry, he's no longer
2: embracing this idea that he has to get old. Watch where he goes. You have divine life now that we don't have to die. Let's just stay here until the rapture takes place. I'm saying, I'm saying until if, it, if it's two or three hundred more years, I'm going to be here. <laughs> what? <laughs> and so if you don't plan on saying, tell me what you want your great, great, great grandchildren to know about you. And I'll tell them. Cause I'm- uh, this, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, you can see why this is a dumpster. I'll be fun. here. Yeah. No, you're not, Mel. You don't look like you have much time left. You need to repent. This is nonsense. All right. Moving on in our dumpster fire episode here, uh, brace yourself for some heavy breathing. We're going to be listening to Isaiah Saldivar, and he's going to say something that is really blasphemous. And he's going to say, God is saying, all right? So listen to this. I've heard other preachers preach like this, but this is like the most recent example I've heard of it. So he's preaching at some kind of of uh, uh, of you know a, a rally, a revival rally of sorts. And this is also not only blasphemous, it's delusional when, when you think about it. But let's listen, listen
1: to it. Yeah, you like you. The devil...
0: Devil's never met a Christian like you, he
1: said. I've never met somebody that knows who they are in Christ. You are the devil's worst nightmare.
0: No, I am not. I have to pray every day as Jesus taught me to pray. Uh, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I pray it every single day. Note that when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, Lord, uh, teach us to pray like John the Baptist uh, taught his disciples how to pray. Jesus said, fine, all right, when you pray, say. Here's what you say. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And by the way, every one of the petitions in the Lord's Prayer, these are petitions, they are not declarations. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Right? This is how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Notice Jesus didn't tell his disciples to pray. And when you pray, know that who you are in Christ and become the devil's worst nightmare so the devil fears you. This is nonsense, okay? Beware, your adversary the devil prowls around like a lion seeking people to devour, okay? So, you know, so don't think that you've got it all together. Humbly ask God, the way Christ has taught you, deliver us from the evil one. But here at Isaiah Saldivar it looks like he's eating a microphone there. Uh, he, he is nom, nom nom nom. He's basically saying, oh, you're the devil's worst nightmare. This is also delusional dumpster fire material. Let me back this up. i somebody that knows who they are in crisis. You
1: are the devil's worst nightmare. The devil wakes up in cold sweats because of you.
0: No, he doesn't. The
1: devil gets migraines because of you.
0: No, he doesn't. No, it is not. Seriously, I, I'm positive we were to take like you know the flu virus or maybe the cold, the rhino virus, stick it in a petri dish and you know ma- put a mic- microscope up to it and bring Isaiah Saldivar in the near vicinity of it, just standing right next to the dish, you know, the little, the little observation you know, thing. And we were to pull our our microscope and look at it, the the the, the virus would sit there and go, ah, it's Isaiah Saldivar. No, this is just nonsense. Ah! So he said, I don't need a valid vaccine. He says that COVID needs an Isaiah Saldivar vaccine. D- seriously, dude, um, you're exalting yourself and not Jesus? Really? The devil is afraid of me. No, he's not. You're doing his work here, by the way, sir. The getting for me! The devil- No, you're not. Seriously, the devil's cracking up at your your hubris here. The devil's
1: not the only one that can fight. He might be winning right now, but he loses at the end.
0: Well, that's true. Jesus will destroy the devil, throw him into the lake of fire at the end, not Isaiah Saldivar. Jesus taught us to pray, to ask God for things. We need to
1: exercise our authority.
0: No, we don't. We need to
1: take our rightful place. You have to stop looking in the mirror and seeing a grasshopper. You have to stop looking.
0: I see a creature. I'm not a deity.
1: in the mirror and seeing a defeat.
0: Right. So you're gonna know this is this is a false dichotomy. If you actually believe what the Bible says, you have to you pray and you ask God to protect you, right? That is weak pacifier Christianity. No, it's not, it's the actual biblical Christianity that the apostles left us with. It's found in the Bible. Do you Bible, dude? You should you should Bible more often. You need
1: to understand that what is living on the inside of you is not the domesticated cat of the American church. It's
0: the domesticated cat of the American church. Get false dichotomy here. a warrior the
1: inside. Because God says,
0: now this, this is the part that's really blasphemous. Notice how it says, because God says, let me back this up so you can see the transition. The cut is a hard cut made by his people
1: says, why do you keep asking me to do things that I've given you the power to do?
0: God keeps saying, why are you asking me to do things that I gave you the power to, th- to do? Uh, it's, scripture tells us to ask God for things. That's what prayer is, to humbly petition, to ask God. That's what a supplication is, to humbly ask God. But watch what he says. I have
1: given you all power. This is what Jesus said.
0: This is what Jesus I've said. I've
1: given you all power and all...
0: Now, uh, no, no, this is what he said to his apostles. All
1: authority to trample on snakes and scorpions.
0: Oh, okay. Now you're quoting the long ending of Mark without pointing out the fact that it doesn't appear in the earliest manuscripts, probably not part of the Bible. Also, by the way, that story of the, uh, the woman caught in the act of adultery doesn't appear in the earliest manuscripts either. Yeah, probably not part of the original. To
1: kill the sick, to raise the dead, to drive out demons. So we have to stop being these begging Christians.
0: We have to stop being begging Christians. Wow. Wow. Yet we pray daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one. Oh, according to Isaiah Saldivar, Jesus is saying, you need to stop being begging Christians. Proof that whatever spirit is talking to Isaiah Saldivar isn't the Holy Spirit. God would never say to his Christians, to his children, to his adopted children, stop being begging Christians and stop asking me for things. Nowhere in scripture does it teach this. This is horrific. Yeah, more proof. Isaiah Saldivar is a wolf. I mean, he doesn't really hide his uh, his wolfiness very much. He's, he's, he's right out there with his wolfiness. A little bit of sheep's clothing, but he's a wolf to be sure. All right, next part of our dumpster fire, Katie Sousa. It's been a while since we've taken a look at Katie Sousa. And we're going to take a look at what the scripture says regarding the spirit of Puthona, uh, we'll talk about that what is that, what is that really actually referring to and uh, and we'll see, we'll see she has completely spun this this bizarre satanic narrative that the the python spirit is the enforcer of the devil sent to wreck your finances which is not what any biblical text says at all but watch what she does here it's um entertaining i it, blasphemously so but listen in
3: the residual effects the, you know, the witches and the warlocks and the sorcerers, they really built their altars during this last month, and they're not-
0: Alright, she's talking about during the Halloween season, the witches, they built their altars during Halloween.
3: ...operating up the power of those altars to continue to try to curse us. And one of the things they do is they release a curse, and people don't understand this, they release a curse and then the serpent is the enforcer that carries out the curse.
0: <laughs> so let me see if I have this straight. So during the Halloween season, witches and warlocks create altars, and then they pronounce curses on Christians, and then serpent spirits are sent out as the enforcers who carry out the curses of the witches and the warlocks says no biblical text anywhere. Do you have a biblical text for this? Because it sure to sound like mythology to me. and doesn't even sound like a re- like a remotely accurate understanding of either the demonic realm or how the occult works.
3: Okay, now where's the proof of that? Well, serpents and witches always work together. In Leviticus, it talks about, thou shall uh, always stone a witch. And then in the Darby version, it says, a person operating in a serpentine spirit.
0: <laughs> what does the Hebrew say? Okay, so you're gonna know the the, the text in question is Leviticus 20:27, 20, and uh, and at Bible Gateway you have this ability to look up a verse and then see how multiple translations handle it, and of course they don't give you the Hebrew behind it um, because this is not really uh, a Hebrew resource. So let's take let's pull this up, and we'll go to Leviticus. Leviticus 20, I think that's where we're going, hang on a second here, 20 verse 27, and we'll see if there's any serpentine spirits mentioned in the Hebrew text, which is the original language of the book of Leviticus, and uh, And so we'll scroll down to verse 27 and see if we can make any sense of this. The Hebrew is a little small, my eyes are old. All right, let's see here. All right, a man or a woman who is a medium, okay... Uh, or a necromancer, uh, all right, shall surely be put to death, all right. Medium. Uh, so the word here is ov, um, and that's it's not that's not referring to serpents at all. Uh, skin bottle of me- necromancer, uh, you know. Some okay, necromancy. You're talking about diviners and things like this. Uh, no mention of divine uh, of serpentine spirits here in the Hebrew. So a medium or a necromancer, and uh, let's take a look. This is also the word for spiritist, somebody who uses familiar spirits, uh, either as knowing or wise, acquainted with the secrets of un- of the unseen world. Okay, a soothsayer nothing here about serpentine spirits at all. So, a man or a woman who is a medium or a necromancer shall surely be put to death. They shall be stoned with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. All right, we've checked the Hebrew. No mention of the serpents at all, not even in passing, which also, by the way, does it shock you that Katie Sousa doesn't know Hebrew? So, you know, so... Uh, I am just saying, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. So, let's take a look. So, the King James 2021 20, or the t- King James 21, a man or a woman who hath a, uh the the uh, has a familiar spirit who is a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Okay. All right, let's see here. Let's so the CSB: A man or a woman who is a medium or a spiritist must be put to death. Got it. And I'll look at the. We did take a look at the ESV: A man or a woman or who is a medium or a necromancer shall surely be put to death. Right. Okay. Every man or a woman who is a medium or a psychic must be put to death. I mean, that seems to be universally across the board. And then you get the Darby translation, which kind of heads off into the weeds. Okay. If there be a man or a woman in whom is a spirit of Python or of divination, they shall certainly be put to death. They shall stone them with stones and their blood is upon them. This to me sounds like taking something from the New Testament and reading it into the old. Okay. And you'll see why in a minute, but in the Hebrew, it doesn't say anything about a spirit of Python. There is no... Uh, the seraphim or nechash mentioned here. Uh, so as a result of that, this the Darby stands out. This is this is um, this is not right. In fact, this is anachronistic. If I were to say to you that the, Jesus's favorite food when he was growing up as a kid were microwave burritos, you would sit there and go, "There were no microwave burritos at the time that Jesus was a, a, a kid on Earth." Okay, that's an anachronism, right? Taking this idea of a spirit of Puthona and then reading it into the Old Testament is equally as anachronistic. That's what Darby has done here, and of course, Katie Sousa, she's not the sharpest biblical scholar in the bunch. In fact, I would never, I would never accuse her. I would, in fact, I would be slandering her if I said she was a biblical scholar because she, she's not. Okay, so okay, so swing and a miss, uh, Katie Sousa. Uh, there's nothing in the Hebrew text in Leviticus 20:27 20, about serpentine spirits.
3: Okay. In Job 3, Job says, let those who are skilled at cursing, that's witches, um, curse that day. Let those who are skilled in rousing up Leviathan. Witches are not only skilled in releasing the curse,
0: but... Yeah, well, I'm not going to get into a discussion regarding a Leviathan. Leviathan is a sea creature. They're
3: skilled in rousing up the serpent, Leviathan, one of the most
0: no 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 you are like way reading stuff into job here i mean so this is like taking passages out of context proof texting in order to create this doctrine this doctrine doesn't exist on its own and you legitimately don't know what you're talking about here at this point. powerful
3: principalities and python and these other servants to carry out the curse they're the enforcers they're the enforcers guys Okay, and I understand that. Serpent spirits are the enforcers. Guys, you gotta be careful. They're gonna come and ruin your finances. I used to be the enforcer. Somebody would say, go, go.
0: By the way, she's talking about her time as she used to be a drug dealer. I think she was like, you know, she was like one of these people who's like probably a character on Breaking Bad. She legitimately was making crystal meth and working in a lab and, and doing criminal activity. I would do this
3: collection, you know, and I would go to that person that owed money or whatever and I would enforce that decree to do a collection on that person. Amen? Okay, so the witches curse, but the pythons and the and the leviathans, they carry out the curse. Now, we're going to talk about python today, okay?
0: You are sure a fast talker there, Katie Souza. You're going to talk about python here, but uh, you haven't actually rightly handled a single biblical text at all. This is all fantasy stuff made up in your brain. And
3: you'll see the connection even more between the witches and the pythons and what they're doing to us. Okay, we're going to go to Acts 16.
0: <laughs> okay, here's what we'll, 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 we'll get ahead of her. In Acts chapter six, 16, it legitimately talks about a girl who had a spirit of Puthona, and there's an actual historical context for this. So, Acts chapter 16, and let's see, they came to Derby, the Macedonian guy. Okay, then we got the conversion of Lydia in, in, in Philippi. Paul and Silas are in prison. All right. All right. So here, let's see here. So here we go. As we were going to the place of prayer, a little bit of a note here. Uh, in the book of Acts, you're going to note that this portion of the book of Acts includes a the word we. That means the author was a- along for the ride. He's an eyewitness of these accounts. That's Luke, the guy who wrote the gospel of Luke. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. Greek word here, Puthona, and let's see if I can, it, it, yep, this actually talks about where this comes from, so if we were to look it up in B-day, uh f, so uh, Putho, the region in which this uh, is the city of Delphi lay, okay, now if you're not familiar with what this is referring to, this, this idea that she had a spirit of Puthon, that means that most likely this girl was somehow connected to the Oracle at Delphi. Okay, if you're familiar with your with your ancient Greek history, like uh, Alexander the Great, before he heads off in his conquest of the world, actually visits the Oracle at Delphi. Uh, Delphi in Greek is the word dolphin, and it has to do with the the temple of Apollo that was set up there because apparently the 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 the, the god Apollo spoke to these sailors in uh, from inside of a dolphin. It, it's it's really convoluted, but the idea then is is that they set up the 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 temple of Apollo, which we came. Known as the spirit, uh, the the Oracle of Delphi, and uh, it was built over a volcanic fissure. So, in the ancient world, if you were to visit the Oracle of Delphi, and you know, you know you were to inquire of the the gods, right? They're not really gods, you know, regarding your fate or things like this. What the priestesses would do at the Oracle of Delphi, they would stick their face over the fissure, the volcanic fissure, and breathe in the volcanic gases which were spewing up. Uh, and and they, the, the inner sanctum of the temple there was right over that volcanic fissure. And they would breathe in these volcanic gases, which would basically make them high, and they would go into an ecstatic state and speak in tongues. True. And then the male priests would then interpret the tongues that the priestesses were speaking, so uh, this is then the practice of divination, if you would. And this girl in Philippi is this is described as having a pneuma puthona, a spirit of uh, uh, of puthona, which connects her to the Oracle at Delphi. Probably she may have actually been somebody who was wrapped up in all of that and where she got her demon from, okay? So that's what that's all about. But you'll note that it, it, the, the word itself, Puthona, sounds like Python. So everybody in English sits there and goes, oh, it's a serpentine spirit. That's really not the point. The spirit of Puthon is something you pick up. It's in relation to the Oracle at Delphi. Okay, just saying. So as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. This is why we don't say a, a, a Python spirit, because that means you know a spirit that, that has to do with fortune telling and things like this. And they brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us. So this is a demonized woman, and she was crying out, "These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaimed to you the way of salvation." And this she kept doing for many days. Now, this sounds like almost like an orthodox statement, but it isn't. Listen, you don't want the demons proclaiming Christ because they're going to be off just enough to lead you into like egregious error. So note what this demonized girl is saying. Oh, these men are servants of the most high God and in a pagan, you know, You know, in in polytheistic context, that makes it sound like Jesus is like one of the gods and that he may even be higher than Zeus, but Zeus is real and stuff like this. So it's, it's not an accurate statement at all when you consider what it is this woman is saying, okay? These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. This she kept on doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, "'I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her.'" And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the before the rulers. Right? So that's what that text is about. But let's take a listen to what Katie Sousa is going to do with this, because uh, this is... Uh uh, imaginative, uh, it, it, but not accurate at all. That's the best way I can put it. Here we go.
3: Act 16. And in that story, there's a woman, the Bible says that she had a spirit of divination. Okay. Now the word divination there means Python.
0: No, it doesn't. <laughs> you legitimately don't know what you're talking about. Okay,
3: go look it up. If you don't believe me, look it up in the,
0: uh, uh we already did, you know, in the, In fact, let's re-look it up, shall we? Okay. So let's double-click here. And then, of course, I got to make this bigger because of my eyes. Okay. All right. So the python. Okay. The serpent or dragon that guarded the Delphic Oracle, it lived at the foot of Mount Parnassus and was slain by Apollo. Later, the word came to designate a spirit of divination. Then also a ventriloquist who were believed to have such a spirit dwelling in their belly. Yeah. Okay. So again, this has to do with the orgin- or origins of divination as a practice going back to the Oracle of Delphi at Mount Parnassus. Y- y- you understand what I'm saying here? Okay. <clears throat> so no, it doesn't mean Python. You don't know Greek.
3: Thayers, or the Strong's Concordance, and you'll see that it means Python.
0: No, it doesn't.
3: That means that this woman who had the spirit of divination, she was walking around and said that
0: she got for her master's much gains. Right, she made money as a fortune teller. Remember Miss Cleo? Okay, it's the same idea.
3: Got her masters much gains. See, a python is in charge of bringing their masters illegal gains, okay? So, what if a python is able to manipulate and control money and bring illegal gains for witches, warlocks, um, sorcerers, people in the world that are, are pagans, unbelievers, evil people, evil people, running nations, running countries, whatever. What is Python gonna do to a Christian, to a believer? They're gonna squeeze out your gains.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that was quite a jump of logic. I mean, man, evil Knievel could not make that jump. What on earth? So Python spirits are out to get your financial gates. Oh save us, Katie Sue. What are we going to This sounds a lot like the same logic from Monty Python the Holy Grail, you know. How do you know she's a witch? Well, you know, if if she's if she <laughs> if she weighs less than a duck. You know, it's that same convoluted litany of non-logical stuff strung together. Cuz
3: that's what a Python does, right? It literally squeezes the life out of you. It squeezes the life out of you. It stalks its prey. Drops around its prey, wraps around its prey, and just slowly starts squeezing. So, since this woman that had the spirit of divination brought for her masters much gains, when, and that word divination is witchcraft, by the way, and the word divination means python, so the witchcraft was.
0: No, it doesn't.
1: It's
3: working with the python, so if witchcraft is cursing you right now, it's going to send out a python to enforce that curse and to do what? Squeeze out your gains.
0: Oh no! Gasp! Are your finances... uh, Are are you struggling financially because you have a python spirit sent out by witches and warlocks to squeeze your gains? Oh, no! Thankfully, if you just send in your check of $49.95 to uh, Katie Sousa Ministries, she'll break that python spirit right off you. I think you get the point. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done a dumpster fire. Man, ugh. I think you get the idea. So hopefully you found this helpful. If so, all the information on how you can share the video is down below. And again, a big shout out to our crew members who make it possible to bring fighting for the faith to you and to the world. If you'd like to join our crew, click on the link down below to join our crew. And until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. (laughs)